Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. All right, so to begin with, we're going to be reading Psalms, Psalm 1. Um, Just to clarify, we aren't going to be going through all the 100 plus Psalms in the next 100 plus Sundays, but we will be making our way through Psalms for January anyway. Um, But to start off with Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chafe, and the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Next, we're going to be reading from James. That's in the New Testament. And because it took me a while earlier, if you're looking for it quickly, it follows Hebrews. So we're going to be reading from James, also chapter 1, 22 through 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, word but does not do what it says is like someone who, walk, who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Amen. Thanks, Ruth. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, Before we begin, uh, let me just pray, and then we'll get into Psalm 1. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for a new year. We thank you for the things that we were able to achieve last year. Uh, We just ask that you will help remove distractions from us and speak to us personally. Uh, Let my words be guided by the Holy Spirit and may you be glorified and help us to just fall more deeply in love with you each day this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, maybe you've been uh, reflecting on 2021 and been wondering about what went well and maybe what didn't go so well. Uh, I was thinking about uh, lots of different things and I was thinking about my fitness and I thought, well, actually, in terms of uh, performance, there was an unexpected winner because uh, I think with all the mask wearing, um, my eyebrows have become stronger, faster, more flexible, so much more expressive than they ever were before. Um, Now, it's it's probably you've got more ambitious uh, fitness goals than that. Uh, I hope you certainly hope you do. Um, And goals are really good, actually. The start of a new year is a great time to, for a short, reasonably short time frame, 12 months to set some goals. Uh, could be uh, breaking bad habits or starting new good ones. Uh, I think the thing that I always come back to is to be realistic, uh, not to be too ambitious, because that's when you get a bit discouraged about New Year's resolutions. Um, one friend of mine said he wants to read 12 books in 12 months, and I think that's a really thoughtful uh, and useful goal for the year. Uh, But if you're a Christian, of course, you might actually want to read 66 books in 12 months, or maybe two or three years, but 
It's good to get through the whole Bible. But as, a, as like a foundational question to help you refine some of your goals, I want to ask you a very simple question this morning. Are you happy? Are you happy? Are you deeply happy? And if you're not fundamentally happy, why not? Because this is what this psalm is actually about. It says, blessed is the one who, and then it goes on to describe. And, and blessed really is a lot of translations use happy, which is probably a better word to translate the real meaning. And it's this deep joy. Uh, it's, a, it's something that is underlies your whole life. Um, if we look at Jesus, it doesn't mean that we will never be sad or will never grieve because Jesus was known to be a man of sorrows. He wept, he grieved with compassion. But if you look at Jesus' life as a whole, it's almost like that despite all of the, you know, whether he was going through bad periods or good periods, like deserts or lush forests, it's sort of underneath his whole life, there's like this underground stream. And so that's what this psalm is trying to help us with, is to be like that, a solid and stable. How can we be like Jesus? Well, the good news is that we have the same Holy Spirit from God that was in Jesus as well. And the psalm talks about, it starts off by saying, happiness is found by making good choices. Now, you probably, um, maybe you felt a little bit awkward with when the psalm was read. You've got, you've got two really black and white, it's a contrast. You've got the, the wicked and the righteous. And you might automatically think, well, I don't actually fit into maybe either of those boxes. I'm not perfect, but I'm not, you know, a criminal either. Uh, but the point of the psalm is not for you to uh, put yourself in that box. The point is for you to look at the life of each type of person and think, how does this align with my life? And so the psalm actually describes not just what the happy person does, but also what the happy person doesn't do. Uh, I think when we're children, we just sort of assume that happiness is natural. And it's only when we grow older and we encounter death and other grief and stress that we start to realize, actually, I have some personal responsibility over my own happiness. And that's what this psalm is saying, that it's your choices that will help you to be happy. And so the first uh, choice that we have here is to avoid ungodly influences. Now, this psalm is not saying uh, that you need to go to the extreme and just avoid any ungodly influence whatsoever, become a monk or a nun and uh, you know, retreat into a cave. Uh, we know that um, as Christians, uh, we're supposed to interact with everyone, believers, non-believers, where to shine as lights in the world. And the Psalms, the point of this Psalm is to warn not about associating with people, but about their influence over us. And it has like a progression of three. So it talks about walking in step with the wicked. Now, when, it, when this psalm talks about wicked and sinners, as Christians we know that when we read the Bible, we're actually all wicked and sinners. Like we can't really point the finger at anyone and say, oh, you're wicked or you're a sinner and I'm not. We're actually all loved by God, we're saved by God's grace. Um, but it's really saying uh, when you're walking in step, 
with the wicked. It's saying you're walking in step with someone who actively leaves God out of their lives. So you're being heavily influenced by someone like that. Uh, and then, and that's sort of really talking about going along with how they think and what they do, uh, and, but they have no reference to God. And then the next step is it talks about standing in the way that sinners take. So this is more about agreement, uh, strong agreement with someone who uh, leaves God out of their life um, and more than being with them, perhaps even encouraging them. And then it says sitting in the company of mockers. And this is maybe the furthest extreme and the Bible is very strong against mockers. And this is more than participating. This is actually joining in with mocking the innocent. You might think, well, this is a pretty sobering start to the first message of the year, and this is also a pretty sobering start to the first psalm, because uh, psalms are normally pretty encouraging. Well, and it's easy to think, well, I'm not really like this, uh, but I do find it is quite easy for me to be influenced uh, by the others around me. Uh, at work it's, or among friends, it's actually easy for me to, to join in with gossip or it's, um, and rather than I'm, uh, saying, asking, is that a really helpful thing to say or is that a nice thing to say, I'm influenced just to keep quiet and join in. Uh, or even with mocking, sometimes I've found like I've been, uh, I've even gone to the extent of laughing at people who maybe have different views than me on topics like politics or even vaccination, rather than realizing, well, these issues are not clear cut. Actually, I need to have more empathy for people. But then there's a lot of positive choices we can make as well to be happy. And the first of this is to delight in God's law, which is really not talking about the sort of 613 laws that God describes. It's about the whole picture of the Bible. What is God's instruction? What's his requirements on our life? And the basis of God's law is our relationship with him. And so happiness is actually found in delighting in God. Uh, the passage says that happiness is found in delighting and meditating in God's word. So there's a bit of a leap, but what is God's word all about? Well, it's really about how God is revealing himself to us and how he knows us. So therefore, we can really say that happiness is about delighting in God. And the number one source for finding out about God and what he's done for us and how much he loves us is God's word. I mean, there are other ways that God speaks, of course, um, but the Bible is the clearest and it's the most common way that God has used through all of history and for most people. And happiness from the world is more about uh, products. You get advertisements that say you need a certain product or it's about wealth, um, that you need to win the lottery to be really happy, um, or it's about status, or how many likes you get on social media. But I find something really comforting about this psalm in that it says happiness is dependent on something eternal, God and his word. And so these relationships and status and wealth, they, they're good in their place. But as C.S. Lewis says, do not let your happiness depend on something you may lose. Do not let your happiness depend on something you may lose. So if God's word is the key to our happiness, how do we interact with it? Uh, the Psalm says the number one method is meditation. Meditation has so many connotations these days. You might uh, immediately think, 
of uh, maybe uh, you know, certain yoga poses and tonal sounds, or you might think of the Buddhist techniques of trying to empty your mind, uh, or maybe remove yourself from all desires. Uh, or even today, you come across mindfulness apps. Uh, they're starting to be seen even in the workplace, and they're a way of de-stressing by helping you to think about something other than your work and your stress. And mindfulness uh, has its place, but it's actually quite different to what meditation is in the Bible. And meditation is, uh, in the, the Hebrew word, is actually about mumbling to yourself. It's about the, the sort of the kind of thing when you're trying to understand a concept and you're trying to explain it to yourself and you're, you're talking it through. Uh, it's, and in this case, it's, it's motivated by a delight um, and it's sort of like, uh, almost like a dog delighting in a bone, uh, just gnawing away at it, chewing at it. I remember when we used to have a, a dog who loved his bones and he would just gnaw on a bone for hours in order to finally crack it and get to the marrow. Delicious, that marrow, beautiful. Uh, well, uh, I think another great illustration is, uh, is um, you're gonna meet Gertrude the cow. Now, um, apologies for the photo. Uh, Gertrude's actually getting used to her new folding Samsung smartphone, so she took it a little bit close. Uh, but she is doing the duck face quite well, I feel. Uh, she's had a busy day. She woke up at 5 a.m. for the milking. Uh, and uh, if you contact her executive assistant, uh, she's actually got quite a schedule. In fact, most cows spend eight hours uh, sleeping, uh, eight hours uh, eating, uh, and then eight hours ruminating. Now, ruminating is uh, what's referred to as chewing the cud. So when a cow eats some grass, uh, the grass goes into the first and the second stomachs and gets somewhat digested, and then the throat muscles actually push this cud back up into the cow's mouth again, and it chews it even more, and extracts even more nutrients out, and then that cud then goes into the third and the fourth stomachs of cows. Therefore, there you go, you've learned a bit of biology this morning. And I think that's actually like a bit of an illustration of what meditation is like. It's like uh, getting God's word, reading it, or any other form of intake, and then just thinking about it, like chewing on it, uh, until you've extracted the maximum from it. Now, we need uh, food for our physical health, and meditation really brings us the nutrients and the food for our spiritual health. So instead of emptying your mind, actually biblical meditation is filling your mind with truth, so that it changes your character fundamentally and then your behavior. So how does meditation then result in happiness? Well, I think first of all, it helps us to hear God speak. And what I've got here is uh, a picture of a hand. And uh, on each of the four fingers uh, are ways that you take in God's word. So first of all, you hear it. That might be through uh, hearing someone speak, the audio Bible, um, a Christian podcast, uh, and then if you read it, it's reading your Bible personally, or um, Christian books or sermons, um, and then study can be your own personal study or maybe through your discipleship group or maybe training courses or even Bible college. Feel free to chat with me about Bible college. Uh, I'd love to talk you through the pros and the cons. 
Uh, and then memorizing. Now, that might be a little bit of a, a shock. You probably haven't memorized something for a while. Actually, we all memorize things. We memorize whatever we're interested in. So if you're interested in movies, you probably have automatically memorized some handy quotes that you really enjoy. If you're interested in sports, you've probably memorized statistics. Uh, and I think that's the message of Psalm 1, is what you delight in uh, and you meditate on. It's actually really easy to memorize. Um, now, you might have had some negative experiences with memorization. Maybe you had to memorize for a prize at school or Sunday school. But actually, I've found memorizing to be really useful because when you're in a time of stress uh, or uh, when you're tempted or when you need to encourage someone, it's all in your mind. God's word is in your mind, ready to use. Um, and being in the modern age, there's an app for that. I use an app called Scripture Typer, and it just helps remind me when to uh, uh, memorize a verse um, and practice it. Might sound like I do it a lot, but actually I'm very sporadic. I think I learned five verses last year. But they were really encouraging, like deeply encouraging to me, uh, and uh, have become really precious. And if you're starting out in memorization, can I just give you a tip to leverage your motivation? So find a verse that really means something to you and then start to memorize that because your motivation will be much higher. But then these four fingers are really about how do you uh, take in God's word to you. Uh, and if I tied up my thumb uh, and I try to pick up the Bible from a flat surface, it's actually a bit awkward uh, and then when I try to use it, it's also really quite awkward without my thumb. And the thumb uh, is just crucial for making um, handling things so much easier to use and to grip. So if you want a good grip on God's word, that's why the thumb is meditation. It, it can easily touch all of the fingers and that's what you need to be meditating on is what all those forms of intake into your life. Secondly, I think meditation results in happiness because it renews the mind. And the mind is absolutely key to your heart and to your will. Uh, Romans 12, 2 says, if you're seeking to know what God's will is for your life, it comes through the transformation and the renewing of your mind. And that comes by meditating on what God is saying to us in his Bible. Derek Kidner said, whatever really shapes a person's thinking shapes their life. So the root of your character and the root of your behavior and then your ultimate destiny, that all starts with what you are processing in your mind. And meditation finally results in happiness through applying God's word to our lives. One bit of advice I could say these holidays is don't take me fishing. I seem to um, be a jinx on fishing trips. Uh, I remember one time, well usually we catch nothing if I'm along, but one time we caught a fake fish. That is, I reeled out a squid jag and that was the only thing we caught for the whole trip. And then another time we caught a fish through the eye. Uh, I don't know how that happened, but that was also the only fish that we caught. Now most people, when they fish, they, they want the, the fish to swim along, see the bait, and then eat the bait, and the hook is caught. But even then, the fish still isn't caught. Uh, there's still a great chance that it can escape the hook. 
So it needs to be reeled in. And then there's another tricky part when you're actually bringing the fish ashore is how do you pull it out of the water onto the shore into your boat and often they use a net. And meditation is kind of like that. You can hear an inspiring um, word from God. God can speak to you about something in your life. But if you don't actually reel it in and if you don't actually net it, um, then it's useless. You've got to land the catch. And meditation, when it's applied, is landing the catch. It's landing what God has spoken to you about. We read James chapter 1. That talks about someone uh, going up to a mirror and having a look in the mirror. And then they don't even look for more than a millisecond. It's just a glance and then they walk away. How can they even adjust what they're wearing with such a short glance. Meditation is taking a deep look. It's examining what the text really says and it's examining what your life is like. Charles Spurgeon said, a person never has a cold heart or a slack hand who is much in meditation with their Lord Jesus. So meditation is not a waste of time. It's not some theoretical theology. Now theology is all about God wanting to change your life. In fact, I think true meditation will drive you to eventually perform some of the most significant acts of your life. So how does meditation result in happiness? Well, I think it really it's all about building the most important relationship in your life, your relationship with God. And it grows your, your root network into something that is firm and solid, not circumstances and not other people's opinions. It uh, and this means you can survive the storms of life. Uh, whether it's death in the family or you're struggling to keep a job or find a job, um, you are rooted in the truth of a never-failing, never-changing God. And his plan, just like Jesus' life, might include suffering, but you know that in the end it's all for God's glory and it's for your good. How then do we meditate? We've seen that meditating is a bit like chewing cud, it's a bit like pulling in a fish, uh, it's even a bit like examining yourself in a mirror. But what does it really look like in day-to-day -day practice? Well, if you look at tips on meditation, I think uh, we've got four steps. Uh, and these four steps um, are something that you find are sort of common between all sorts of advice about meditation. First one is to understand what you're reading. Uh, a great way to do this is through questions. You know, what did this passage or verse really mean to the original readers who, who read it? Now often it's common sense, it's easy to determine this, but sometimes you do actually need to understand the culture uh, to who the text was written, uh, and then that will really help you to understand what's going on in the passage. And then another great question is then to translate that to, well, if it meant that for them in those times, what does it mean for me now? Then there's explain it. You know, meditation means murmuring. Uh, it's, it's trying to explain something to yourself. Uh, I think it's also really helpful to explain what you've learned from God to someone else. Uh, someone in your household maybe, um, or uh, a friend, uh, you can text them what you've learnt for the day. Um, having to express something in your own words uh, just really brings it home to you as to whether you understand it or not. 
I think also taking notes is a really helpful way to, to memorize, uh, so not to memorize, to meditate um, on what God is saying. Uh, some people say that actually, if you look at the science, that um, writing notes, you remember more than typing notes. And that's because most people, they write a lot slower uh, than they can type. And so it forces them to have to summarize and to have to express something in their own words. Uh, and that's um, a really helpful thing for me, I've found, is uh, taking notes of a sermon or taking notes uh, after my morning um, Bible reading uh, to try and express what I think God is actually saying in my own words. Uh, and it's far more memorable and it comes back to me during the day. Then there's a picture. You know, if you're reading this verse or this passage uh, try to think how, if I was commissioned at a, as an artist to express this picture, how would I do that? I think in a very interesting way, Psalm 1 is possibly doing just that. You see, Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law won't depart out of your mouth, but you need to meditate on it day and night, so that you may observe to do all of the things that are written inside it, and then you'll be prosperous, and then you'll have good success. And so those same themes actually come out in Psalm chapter 1, the meditating day and night uh, and the end of, of um, success and prosperity, which I think is not physical prosperity, but, but God's spiritual prosperity of being stable and firm in God. And so it looks like actually David did just this. He pictured what would it look like for someone to actually meditate day and night? What is the end result? Uh, and it's, he thought it's actually kind of like a strong, stable tree beside a constant source of water, a river running past. And it's like the tree is evergreen. Uh, and it brings fruit. Uh, it's not always bearing fruit. It be brings forth fruit in its season. Uh, and so there are going to be times where it may not appear to the outside that you're flourishing, but actually you are. Uh, you've got that constant source of water. And then, on the other hand, he's thinking about, well, what's someone like who doesn't have this stability, who has no roots? Actually, that's very similar to chaff. And in agricultural uh, society back then, in order to separate your recently um, repped grain, uh, you want to get rid of all the dead sort of husks and straw and stubble from your grain. And so you would toss up your grain in the air and as, a, as the, the heavy grain fell down, the wind would blow the chaff and all the dead away. And he's saying, well, actually, someone without the stability of God's word and meditating and thinking on that actually is swayed from opinion to opinion. They're blown about by the wind. They'll go wherever their friends go. Uh, and that's, that's sort of kind of like chaff. Um, it's useless. There's no source of life. And so the psalm really comes alive with this imagery. And I think that's exactly why Jesus used imagery as well. With so many of his parables, uh, he describes stories so that they're memorable and they get us thinking about what his grace and love really mean when they're pictured as like a son returning to his father. And finally, uh, I think, how do we meditate? We actually apply it. Now, I'm not repeating myself because before I said that meditation leads to application, and that's true, but I think it's actually a bit of a, almost like a feedback loop in that application leads to further meditation as well. 
Like if you think of a cook uh, and they bake a recipe four or five times, you actually find that not only do they know the recipe by that time, they don't need to refer to the book. They probably have some really handy tips on how it works with their oven and maybe even tweaks uh, that they've made just to get it working just right. And I think that's the same in our lives. When we read God's word and we're thinking about it and we start to apply it, we think we start to see how it actually occurs in our life uh, and it, it hits home. Because you can say that you love someone, but really it's only theory until you're actually serving them, until you're spending hours with them, listening to them, uh, talking with them, helping them. Finally, the, uh, the psalm just says, on his law he medita- meditates day and night. And you might be thinking, well, actually 2021 was a pretty busy year. I don't think I've got time uh, to meditate. And maybe you associate meditation with hours of silence. But meditation can be done in all sorts of short gaps in your life. Uh, it might be waiting in line. It might be driving somewhere. Um, and I actually find uh, in my life, I fit anything that I want to in, if I really want to do it. You know, I like to play soccer, and I've got a work place soccer, lunchtime soccer, and uh, it just means I have to get up earlier that day and I have to leave work later, but I'm willing to make the sacrifice uh, because I enjoy soccer. And so I think um, we can make time for intake, and that might be when you're in the car, instead of listening to the radio or a podcast, you might just want to switch that off and think about what you read that morning. Uh, or alternatively turn on an audio Bible and listen to it and think about it. Or maybe in the evening, um, I know that sometimes when I do an evening activity or uh, housework or something, I'm too tired at the end of it. Uh, So maybe fit in a little bit before you start. Or maybe you will find that reading the Bible and thinking about it actually works better for you as part of your wind down before bed. Uh, For me, it often works best in the morning to just have 10 to 15 minutes um, to fit in. Uh, Now, I think we really need to actually make meditation your priority. I think it's really good that people have plans to read through the Bible in one year or two years or three years. That's a fantastic goal, and we need to understand the whole Bible and be reading through it. But I just want to make sure that your priority is actually meditation that leads to application and life transformation. So for me, I found that I can every day get 15 minutes in, and 15 minutes is roughly the amount of time, 15 to 20, that you need to actually read through the whole Bible in a year. So what I've done is to read for half the time and then spend the other half meditating. Uh, It's meant that I haven't got through a program or a schedule but it has meant my life has changed because I've really spent the time thinking about what's going on, how does this apply to me? And it's taking the pressure off having to read. I can just stop and think if something really impacts me, I can stay there and reread. Actually, I find it really helpful to then express in my own words, just one thought. I, I sort of tie myself to do at least one sentence about something that God has spoken to me about. Uh, and that forces me to sometimes even reread the passage if I feel that nothing popped out the first time. Um, and it's, it's led to some really great discoveries. Uh, recently, I've been reading through Revelation, and it's just so encouraging to see 
that God is in control of the future of the end of the world. Because with the pandemics going on, uh, you can sort of wonder when will this end? Uh, but in Revelation you see Jesus is the King of Kings. He's above all authorities. And, and we have all of the kingdoms through history, but Jesus' kingdom will be the final kingdom. And then you just find all sorts of other things like this cracker of a verse, which uh, just really, um, I just found so encouraging. Psalm 139 uh, says, God, your thoughts are precious to me. They are so many. If I could count them, they would be more than all the grains of sand. And at first I thought, well, if, if I'd actually told someone, you know, God thinks about me all the time. I mean, that sounds really arrogant, but the Bible says that's what is actually going on. Uh, God is an infinite God and he actually cares about each of us that much. Uh, it's enormously encouraging. Uh, and then I've been reading through Malachi as well. And that talks about uh, people bringing to God these offerings and some were stolen animals and others were like uh, blind or maim. Um, and God says, what are you really bringing to me? Because this reflects your heart. And so it made me think about, well, what am I giving to God? Late last year, we had a couple of talks on money and generosity. Am I really being generous with my time and my money? And what does the way that I spend my time and my money overall, what does that say about my relationship with God? So I found that really challenging. And I think as you meditate on God's word that you'll find the same. In conclusion, in the, um, in the New Testament, you see this guy called Barnabas, and he's a bit of a, a uh, background figure, uh, but his name means son of encouragement, and he lived up to his name. He encouraged a lot of people. And I, that's something I want to do this year. I want to be a better encourager. Uh, I read a really helpful article on um, the ministry of specific encouragement. Uh, and I found a verse that sort of connects the two, uh, meditation and knowing God, because I think uh, in order to encourage someone, first of all, you have to know them. If you're gonna encourage them specifically, you have to know what they're going through. And then you also need to know God and be, I guess, fed by him so that you can pass that on to someone else. Uh, and this verse says, the sovereign Lord has given me the capacity to be his spokesman so that I know how to help the weary. He wakes me up every morning. He makes me alert so I can listen attentively as disciples do. So I think that really uh, encouraged me that each one of us can hear God and then God can use that word to be a great specific encouragement in someone that we're praying for uh, in someone that we know closely. Uh, so I, I would really like you to join me this year in spending more time meditating on God's word so that you can be a fruitful evergreen tree uh, planted by a stable, solid water source and so that you can be yourself encouraged uh, and growing and being transformed by God, but then also so that you can encourage others. Well, let's uh, finish with some prayer. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for the word that you've given us. We thank you for the Psalms, which are such an encouragement, uh, especially when we're feeling a bit dry. Uh, we thank you for this 
message to us on meditation. Um, please help us this year to, to schedule time in uh, to meditate, to make it a daily practice, to be thinking about your word in all kinds of places. Uh, help us to increase our intake. Um, help us to re record our insights, to be uh, an encouragement to us and others later on. Uh, and please give us words of encouragement for people that we know, people that we're praying for. Uh, but overall, um, Heavenly Father, just help us to love you more and more in 2022. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.